Well, good morning, church. How cold are we today? We doing all right? Good morning. I want to welcome you uh, to the Greenwood campus. I want to welcome all of you joining online this morning, probably about three or 4,000 of you online this morning. Uh, my name is Matt. Welcome to the Greenwood campus of Emmanuel Church. I'm the Greenwood campus pastor, if that matters to you. Uh, I just want to say welcome, and like, I want to hand out gold stars to everybody for showing up today. Uh, man, it's cold. We got a super surprise snow, so thanks for being careful on the way in. Uh, I'm excited to be here today because we got some fun stuff to talk about, but I can't go any farther without without saying how awesome last week was. How many of you were here for our Christmas services last week? Yeah. Uh, Here's what's awesome, guys. I got to tell you that it was one of our biggest Christmases ever at Emmanuel. Uh, More than 6,300 people, plus the people that joined us online, uh, were at our campuses last week. It was incredible. And that's only because, that's only because we're a church that's on a relentless pursuit. And so I just want to say thank you for those of you that invited your friends, your family, your coworkers. Maybe they had written off church or written off Jesus as boring or irrelevant in their lives. Thank you for continuing to invite those people because we are a church that is on a relentless pursuit. Uh, The kingdom of God grows because we're willing to have those conversations and invite people in our lives. And so I want to say thank you for that. because it was incredible. I also want to make sure that I shout out our incredible impact team folks that not just this weekend are preparing this place for you uh, to come in, get you warm, get you coffee, but last week uh, having all of those people come and join us. They did an incredible job at hosting us uh, and our family and friends. So I just want to give a shout out to our, uh, to our impact team. Thank you so much for making this happen. Anytime you see a, a blue lanyard or a blue shirt, make sure you thank them for giving their time and energy. Uh, to help people come to Christ and grow in Christ. So that's what we're all about. Uh, Now, listen, next week, Danny's going to come back. Let me just tell you, we've got some awesome stuff uh, planned in January. Danny's been working on a series called Breakthrough. Uh, How many of you think that there's probably some area of your life where you could use a breakthrough, right? And we approach this time of the year, and we're ready to kind of uncover those areas in our life. And Danny's working on that. It's going to be awesome. I can tell you we're also going to launch a 21-day fast as a church to go along with that series to get us going in a way uh, that God can show us some things in our lives. So pay attention to our social media feeds and other communication preparing for that fast. Now, last week, Danny started his talk with a story about almost getting into a fist fight in the parking lot of Barnes & Noble. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you that I have a story that's actually worse this week. Uh, it's, it's bad, guys. Um, now listen, I, here's all set it up. So I don't know about your house, but in my house, there's this thing called switching the laundry. Does anybody know what I'm talking about around here? Switching the laundry. The husbands are nervously laughing right now. You see, in my house, my wife is a morning person. So my kid goes to bed early, and she's a morning person, and I am not a morning person. No, mornings are death. Uh, But uh, I'm the night owl in the house, so here's what happens. My little guy goes to bed, and uh, my wife will start a load of laundry. Now, she'll go to bed earlier than me, so she'll ask the question of me. She'll say, dearest husband, leader of the home, would you mind switching the laundry before you come to bed? A fairly simple request, and as an honorable, always faithful husband, I say, lady of the home, you're absolutely, uh, you can count on me, I will switch the laundry before I come to bed. Uh, Now, every once in a while, now she's not in the room today, so I can say every once in a while, uh, the next morning will come along and she will say, hey, did you switch the laundry before you came to bed? And this is what my face looks like. (laughs) Yeah, this is the, oh no, face in my house. You see, because every once in a while, um, 
somehow between doing some reading or watching a Pacers game or playing a video game or something, you know, really important stuff, uh, I forget to switch the laundry, which means that laundry's now been in the washer for 10 hours and it's getting a little stanky, so we have to go back and rewash that thing. Uh, you see, so something so little in my house is actually really significant to my wife because it adds extra work to her. And in these moments, and in a moment like this, this is me not really saying and doing the same thing. It's me not being faithful in the small to my wife. And I know this is just maybe a funny example. It's not funny for me. Let me just tell you that. Uh, but this is a small example in my house. But at, this actually got me thinking about this idea that, that people can let us down, Right? I mean, things in our life can happen and we can count on somebody to do something and they don't do that thing or they say they'll do something or that they should be doing and then they don't do it and it can let us down and feel, make us feel maybe dejected or disappointed. It's also true about our life and our circumstances as well. We can be disappointed by them. And, but this idea of faithfulness is something that just kind of stuck with me. And, and I know that when I say the word faithful, our minds tend to go to a particular place uh, or another place, or whatever, what faithfulness looks like to you. So I want to start with a definition. It's in your notes this week. This is what I mean when I'm talking about faithful. Faithful simply meaning steadfast in allegiance, or I'm standing by it. And secondly, that it's firm in adherence to promises or duty. That's a dictionary definition. But what I mean by that is that someone uh, says something, they do that thing, or they do what they should be doing in the first place. So that's what I mean by being faithful today. And as we were talking about this idea of faithfulness as a team, Danny said something that, that really stuck out to me. He said, you know what? Like, there's really no epidemic of faithfulness in people. This idea that it's not often we can look at a person in our lives, or maybe even ourselves, if we're honest, me in the switching laundry example, where we are 100% faithful 100% of the time. Is that right? Is that making sense to you? And so it made me think about this time of the year where we approach kind of a new year with, and we try to sharpen our outlook moving forward. And it made me realize that if we continually look at people or our circumstances for an example of what faithfulness looks like in our lives, we will constantly be disappointed. Everywhere we turn, there's something that doesn't go our way or some person that doesn't do what they say they would do. And so it leaves us in a spot of frustration. And I think that's because people aren't designed to be 100% faithful 100% of the time. But you see, for today, I want to talk about a source of faithfulness that is 100% all the time. Because see, I believe that the only source of 100% faithfulness in this world is our God. And so today, I want to look at that. I want to understand that. I want to see how it makes an impact in our lives. Now, there's not the, this statement's not in your notes, but as we've been preparing over the last couple of weeks, I, this statement has stuck out, so I want you to see it. Because see, I think that seeing God's work in the past fuels your faith in the present right now. It can fire us up right now, and it changes and it brightens our view of the future. When we can look and see where God has been faithful, we can then look forward in a completely different way. And if you're like me, I need some different looking forward about this time of the year. When it's negative five degrees outside, I got a house that's not done, a bunch of things aren't going my way, and people are letting me down all over the place. So I want to take you on a journey of understanding and working through God's faithfulness and looking at where he is faithful. So we're going to start this week by looking at the small. You see, I think that God is faithful in the small. You see, the world today, tell me if I'm wrong here, but this world is designed to make us worry about the little things. It's designed to make us sweat the small stuff. 
what am I going to eat for lunch today? What, what am I going to wear tomorrow? Like, ah, I don't know, I got seven different sweaters. Which one looks best? Uh, what kind of car am I going to go drive? Because everybody deserves a brand new car this time of the year. I'm, if you've watched TV, you've heard that. Uh, so we get to choose what kind of car we're going to have next because we can actually afford that or not. You see, we're designed, or this culture is designed to make us worry about the small stuff. Now, it may surprise you, it may not, that as Jesus was on the earth and he was doing his teaching and laying down the awesome stuff, people were also worried about some of the very same things that you and I struggle with here and there. And I know we talked about worry in the last series. I hope you'll go back and watch that, our Christmas series. But you see, Jesus taught about this idea. He was teaching the people one day and, and, and he knew that they were worried about what they're going to eat, you know, what are they going to do tomorrow? What are they going to wear tomorrow? So he spent some time saying, hey, stop worrying about all of those things. Stop worrying about all of these things. And then he gives us a promise. And this is where it is, Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he, God, will give you, say it with me, everything you need. You see, Jesus is telling these people, hey, listen, calm down. Stop worrying about all this little stuff. Here's what I need you to focus on. Seek the kingdom of God. I know that's a weighty statement, but basically what he means here is, is like, hey, listen to what I'm teaching. Find out how I say to live this life. Keep digging, keep learning, keep growing. And then do what you're supposed to do. Not only to stay right with me, but to stay right with your neighbor. So live righteously, do the right thing, and God will give you everything that you need. Now listen, I want to be clear here that some people, some of us in our communities, actually have to worry about those things. Some of them wake up every day not knowing if they've got warm enough clothes to wear when it's zero degrees outside. Some of our neighbors, they wake up and wonder if their kids are going to be able to eat next weekend because they barely made it by this weekend. Some of us worry about whether or not we can catch a, a ride to our next doctor's appointment to get that answer to the test that we've been waiting on. And I want to make sure that I acknowledge that because you know, I believe that when we stop worrying about this stuff, we as believers, that's actually our job to support and love and care for people that have to worry about those things. Does that make sense? And we do that all the time around here at this church. We're all about meeting practical needs and spiritual needs for people through our community partners. But then even over this uh, last season, we do that uh, pretty regularly and we tell you some stories about that. But you see, this worrying about the small stuff and doing what we're supposed to do, it actually reminds me of a story I heard recently about a new believer around here at Emmanuel. You see, she had done her digging. She tried to seek what Jesus said about this, this life, this world of ours. And she decided to put her trust, her full faith in Jesus. And as she did that, she kept digging. Okay, Jesus, what do you got to say about this area of my life and this area of my life and this area of my life? And she felt convicted in the area of generosity. She'd been wrestling with kind of how, to, how her life was going to change during the holiday season. And she felt like God was calling her to be generous and lo and behold, a, a family was put in front of her that she believed had a, a financial need, just a little kind of a pick-me-up that they needed this time of the year. Now, here was the decision in front of her. You see, she paid all of her bills, all the, all the necessary things were taken care of, but she reached this spot where she didn't know whether or not she would be able to make it to the next payday as comfortable as she was right there if she decided to be generous. Now, she took the chance. She paid attention to what Jesus said, and she was faithful. She supported that family she felt like was in need. And, and someday you might hear the full story, but it had an explosive effect of generosity on people here in the body of Emmanuel that she hadn't even been able to think through or plan for. 
and God took care of her. She was comfortable when payday came around. God was faithful in the small. And if you're honest and I'm honest, a lot of situations like that happen in our own lives, right? We have somebody that we see that could use some encouraging uh, some encouraging words, but we might not have a great relationship with them. Or we see somebody who might have a financial need or a practical need, and, and we sit back and we wonder about, like, okay, so, God, I, I kind of feel you on my heart with this, but, like, but what, about, like what about the rest of this pay period? Or, or what about the next week? Am I going to be okay? And Jesus says, listen, do what I call you to do, and I'm going to take care of everything that you need. God is faithful in the small. But, you see, God is also faithful in the big. God is faithful in the absolutely gigantic, world-changing kind of stuff. Now, I could point to a hundred different examples in Scripture about where God is faithful in something huge, and it's, and it's something, wow, really wow kind of moments. And I want to point you to one of them because of the response of the people of Israel. You see, I'm going to take it way back, and we're going to go in the book of Exodus. Now, if you haven't read the Exodus uh, from Egypt, here's the deal. Moses is a leader, and he leads uh, God's people out of slavery in Egypt. And he's leading them towards the promised land, which is east of Egypt. All right, so they get to the Red Sea, and it's in front of them. It's a big barrier. And by the way, the Pharaoh had changed his mind, so he's chasing them with an army. He wants to bring them all back to slavery. So God tells Moses, listen, put your hand out over the water and see what happens. He does it. Boom, Red Sea parts. It's amazing. It's a big wow moment. God's power shows up. So the, the nation of Israel marches across, and they get across the Red Sea. Now the army is starting to follow them. Everybody's getting a little nervous. Is God really going to show up the way that he said he was going to show up? So he looks at Moses and says, put your hand out over the water. See what happens. Moses does it. The waters rush in. Pharaoh's army can no longer get to him. God is faithful in that moment. Here's how the nation of Israel responds in the book of Exodus. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared, healthily respected the Lord. And they say this, believed in the Lord and in his, service, in his servant Moses. A lot of times in our life, in a moment where God has shown up and we actually realize it, it's super easy to have immediate belief, to go, wow, God, that was huge. Man, you, how did you do that? But how often do we apply that to our lives when we look back a little bit and we see God being faithful in the big things? And maybe there isn't a Red Sea in your life and we're not marching across it and eating food from heaven falling from the sky. Maybe that's not you today. If it is, we should talk after the service. But maybe for us, it's something like unemployment, your career, your path in life. See, for me, when I, when I uh, graduated college, I took a short-term job right out of college. I knew it was only four, five, six months. I was trying to get some experience. But right after that, I decided I was going to go change the world. I had, I had decent grades in college. I, I had lots of uh, references that loved me. I had a pretty cool red stripe on my uh, resume. Like I thought, this is easy, man. I'm going to get hired 10 different places. So I decided to change the world. I applied to a bunch of different nonprofits all around the Indy area, things that, were, that I could find passion in my heart for. And uh, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. No one called back. <laughs> Not one person called back. No one interviewed, not one, hey, maybe about this other job. No, nothing. You know, it wasn't until I changed the way that I was praying about that that God showed up. It was the longest period of unemployment in my life to that point, which I was a young man. But since I was 15 years old, I'd had a job and been showing up to work every single week since then. But for three, four months in that period of my life, and I know that's small compared to what some of us have dealt with, 
it was a real hard struggle for me until I changed the way that I prayed. And I said, okay, God, listen, you've shown up before. You've directed my path before. I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm giving it to you. A couple days later, I get a cold call, something I'd never applied for. And I knew I didn't want to work in politics. That was kind of part of my prayer. Well, the call was from politics. So I show up and I go into an interview and, and they said, hey, so-and-so, uh, you know, says you're great. We got your resume. I've got a short-term job. I was engaged at the time, so a short-term job is like a death sentence for my marriage. And so I said, and then they said, well, we've got a full-time job. Either one of them is yours. And I said, whoa, great. Took the full-time job the rest of those 10 years and then on to Emmanuel's history. But God showed up in something huge in my life. When I just decided to step back and hand it to him, he was faithful. He set the direction of my life before me. But maybe for some of us, it's something like loss. This time of the year is hard for those of us who've lost people that we love because it reminds us that they're not here. And I've told some of this story before, and I won't tell the whole thing, but some of you know that we lost my little boy, Leo. We lost him in pregnancy. It was hard. It was really hard. The part that I don't often tell you is that six months later, we would lose my mom to lung cancer, the rock in my life. Three months after that, we'd lose my mom or my wife's grandmother, the matriarch of her family. You're talking about a period of life where things were hard and rough. Times where we pray, God, we know you're going to do something with it, but we have no idea what yet. Now I'm here to tell you that God was faithful. He was incredibly faithful. Here I am today being able to share uh, uh, story after story about my little boy Leo and what God taught us through that and how he's been able to encourage and love on couples that we never even knew. I'm able to walk with families through with people that have uh, cancer in their life and being able to understand what that looks like and, and still tell stories about my wife's amazing and weird but incredible grandmother. God was faithful in the big stuff. He's faithful in the small, he's faithful in the big, and he can be for you too. But that's not where it ends, because I want to talk about something else. You see, I think that God is faithful in our mess. I think God is faithful when we mess it up so badly we think we can't even come back from it. And I want to go to a Bible story that's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite stories, but it's also one of the hardest to read, because it's about the, the disciple Peter, disciple of Jesus, who walked alongside him and throughout his ministry. And see, Peter's the kind of guy that very early on gets it. Like, he's acing the test. And basically what happens is, is that Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, all right, guys, who am I? Like, who, who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up right away. He's like, hey, man, you're the son of God, Jesus. You're the Messiah. This makes Jesus happy because it's true. But Jesus looks at Peter, and he's like, hey, great answer, bro. Don't tell anybody about it because the world's not ready for that kind of answer yet. But then he makes Peter a promise in Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you what he did, what he said. He said, now I say that you are Peter. How about that? So he changes his name right off the bat. That's fun. Uh, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Holy cow, what a promise. Peter shows up, he gets it. And Jesus makes him a promise. He says, Peter... Listen, man, I'm going to build everything I am on you. Oh. But you see, it'd be great if the story ended there, but that's not where it ends. You see, because later on down the road, at the end of Jesus' life, he'd be arrested. He'd be taken off to the temple to be tried. And when that happened, Peter followed him. 
to the temple. He, he, he cared about what was going to happen to Jesus. And just before that, he kind of got in a little tiff with Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, man, before this thing's all over, like, you're going to walk completely away from me. Like, you're going to pretend I don't even exist. You're going to deny me. Now, Peter was a little offended at that. He thought, no way, man. You're like, seriously, you're my master. That's never going to happen. Well, here's what happens. Jesus is arrested, and then it all goes south for Peter. As Peter's making his way towards the temple, somebody points him out and says, hey, Peter, hey, aren't you that guy? Aren't you that guy that was hanging with Jesus? Peter says, nope, not me. <laughs> no, you got the wrong guy. The second time someone says, hey, 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 you're that guy, that, that disciple, you're that follower of Jesus. Peter says, no, Mm-mm. not me. I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure I know the guy. I mean, you know, I know he's a teacher. Then a third time, I want you to see what happens. Peter's asked again, hey, do you know that guy? Here's Peter's response in Luke chapter 22. Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And if you know the story, Jesus says, hey, before this is all over, you're going to deny me three different times, and a rooster's going to crow. The rooster crowed. And we're told in Scripture that Peter runs away. He had completely distanced himself. He had completely run away. He had completely denied and disowned Jesus. And Jesus dies. He's placed in a grave, and there goes any chance Peter has of coming back. And again, I'm so glad the story doesn't end there. You see, after the resurrection of Jesus, he would spend some time with the disciples, encouraging them, hanging out with them a little bit, and then he'd leave a little bit. But then a few days later, the guys are in a boat. Peter and the boys are fishing out on the lake, and, and they're not catching much fish. And then some guy on the shore says, hey, guys, why don't you throw the, the nets on the other side? Maybe you'll catch some fish. So they say, hey, we've had no luck. We'll try it. They catch so much fish they have no idea what to do with. And then Peter thinks, maybe, maybe that guy on the shore is Jesus. Does he tell the guys, like, hey, guys, uh, why don't we row over there and check it out? Maybe, I think we might know that guy. Nope. Peter jumps headfirst in the water and swims all the way to Jesus because he thought he might have a chance to be with him again. So they're eating breakfast. They're eating some fish for breakfast, which sounds terrible. I don't know about you, but, like, fish for breakfast just sounds terrible to me. But they're eating some breakfast, and then Jesus does something really curious. He starts to ask Peter some questions. He asks him, the same question twice, and then he asks him a third time. Here's the question. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, that's Peter's real name, do you love me? After three times, Peter's a little bit of annoyed at this point, and he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And you know what I love about Jesus? Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus is faithful all the time. Here's the next statement Jesus says. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. You see that promise that he made to Peter? He kept it. And if Jesus can build his church, Big C Church, if he can build billions of believers over thousands of years that we stand on that foundation today, if he can build that on a guy that has completely disowned and walked away from him in the most crucial period in Jesus' life, what can he do with you? I mean, what, what, what can he do with you? I think he can do anything. 
No matter where you're at, what you've been struggling with, maybe you've walked away for a little bit, Jesus can do anything. Because the same promise made to Peter is the same promise he makes to you. Jesus is faithful in our mess when we mess it up. But that's not where it ends, because I want to talk about grace today. You see, I think that grace is God's faithfulness on display. And it's going to sound like I'm switching gears here, but I promise I'm not. Because you see, I think he's faithful in the small, he's faithful in the big, he's faithful when we're messing it up. But some of us forget the incredible daily power of grace. And I believe it's faithfulness on display. And I'll show you what I mean. You see, when we first accept Jesus, for those of us who've made a decision to trust Jesus with our lives, we talk about in Growth Track that in step one, which is going to happen next week, so if you haven't registered for Growth Track yet, get in there. First week of the, uh, of the year, we're going to get going there. But in the first step of the Growth Track, we talk about what it means to trust Jesus with your whole life and what we mean by that. Now, when we do that, we kind of talk very similarly to what David said in the book of Psalms when he was talking about God and God's faithfulness. And all of us have owned a similar kind of feeling in our hearts to David when we first accept Jesus. Here's the feeling I'm talking about. David says, I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a, say this with me, faithful God. What David understands about God is what all of us at some period in our life that have made that decision have understood. We have fully owned the faithfulness of God because we have to to trust Jesus. We have to own that grace at some period in our life to trust Jesus. But how many of you have processed that the same way since you made that decision? Every day you wake up and feel that the very same way. Because I think sometimes we lose sight of that. In the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah starts remembering all the terrible things that happened in his life. He starts to remember when he was homeless and when he was sick and when he was without food. He starts to write down these things, and I encourage you to read it later if you need some real discouragement. But then I want to get to the encouragement part. Because after he remembers how hard his life has been, this is his statement in the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Now wait, I want to pause right here because there's a version, there's a, a translation of the Bible that's a little bit better with this last sentence that's awesome. Basically, and I'll paraphrase another translation, is that it's no wonder that I haven't completely destroyed myself. It's only because of God's mercy. Now, for some reason, this one kind of shortens it up a little bit, but I love it that it's like, hey, if we woke up every day and had to answer for all the wrong we've done, woo, that's a quick life. But his mercies never cease. Jeremiah says this next. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each and every single morning. Every single day, the grace is the same that you accepted it if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Every single day, it's, the, it's brand new. It's fresh every morning. Jeremiah knew that. The author of Hebrews in the New Testament after Jesus knew that, and here's what they say about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, say this with me, forever. Listen, maybe you're in a little rut right now. Maybe you're approaching 2018 and you got some old sin hanging on. Maybe you got some old circumstances that just seem to continue to drag you down. My challenge to you is to just to remember God's faithful in the small. What he can do with Peter, he can do with you. He can do incredible things through you. If we'll only trust him in the small. 
If we'll only trust him in the big. If we'll only look at him and say that, listen, no matter how far I've walked away, I can trust him when I make the mess myself. And so here's what I want to do this week. I want us to realize that somehow God's gotten us to this point where we are. Somehow God got you to show up in the middle of the freezing tundra cold. Somehow you've made it through the really tough things that have probably happened in your life in 2017. Let's own that. Let's own the fact that God has been faithful in our lives. Let's have some encouragement. Let's have some faith when we can look back and see, wow, you know, that was hard, but God was there. I worried about this thing and this thing. I worried about my job here. God was there. The last thing in your notes this week is a question. We love to leave you with a question. Where's God been faithful in your life? Where's he been faithful? Because I want you to write that down. I want you to write down something that comes to your heart, that comes to your mind, where God has been faithful in your life. Because this coming week, I want us to own that in our lives. Because if we can, well, if we can just do what we first talked about, and it's that statement that I, I put up there first, it's a, listen, if we can see God's work in the past, we can feel our faith right now in the present. And it will change the way that you look at 2018. We're about to kick off a series about a breakthrough in our lives. And a lot of us are going to look at what happened in 2017 or what's just going on in our life right now. And we're going to shorten, we're going to stunt our goals about what we can do in 2018. But where God has been faithful for you before, he will be faithful for you again. So let's take that faithfulness that God has been in our lives and own it this week. Our band's going to come out and we're going to sing uh, they're going to sing a song. And, and during this next song, I want you to feel comfortable to stay seated because I want you to write down something where God has been faithful and I want you to process it. I want you to reflect on it. I want you to think through, okay, what does this mean about how I look forward? What does this mean about how I approach a brand new year? Because I know that when we look back and we see where God has been, it changes everything about how we approach where we're going to go. Can I pray with you? Jesus, we come to you today just incredibly grateful that you give us a picture of your faithfulness. Jesus, you went to the cross, you died for us, and yeah, well, you kept your promise. You came back. In your resurrection, we get to see that all things are possible in this world because of you. So Jesus, I thank you. I thank our Heavenly Father for being faithful for us right now. I thank you for the faithfulness that's been on display our entire lives, but maybe even just this last year. And so as we approach a brand new year, I just ask, I ask you to be bold. I ask you to put in front of us the incredible work that you've done in our lives to remind us to keep us fresh thinking about the mercy that you have for us. I thank you for your grace that allows me to wake up every single day knowing this day can be better than it was yesterday. I thank you so much for the opportunity to approach you with the same fire, the same owning of your grace and of your forgiveness and of your love that I had when I first came to you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. i
could think of uh, no better way 
than to start 2018 and what, 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 what Matt had to talk with us today about. You know, we're unfaithful. The people around us sometimes are unfaithful. Systems are unfaithful. Politics are unfaithful. There's just a lot of unfaithfulness in our world, including me. And what's so great, though, is we have a God who's faithful. Even when things don't go our way, we mess it up ourselves. God says, I've got you because he sent Jesus. And Jesus Christ was faithful like we couldn't be. And God proved that because he went to a cross for us. And he died for us. But he didn't stay dead. Because of his faithfulness, he lives and he rose. And because of that, we can have hope. You can have hope for 2018. Maybe today you've been trusting in yourself. Maybe you've been trusting in someone else. Maybe you've been trusting in a system. But maybe you need to trust in Jesus today. And so we want to give you that opportunity today. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you haven't accepted Christ, you can do that today. In Romans, it says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And so you can say a prayer. You can say this prayer with me. It doesn't have to be the exact words. You can say whatever the Lord brings to your heart, but you can say something like this. God, I have been unfaithful. I have messed this up. But God, I thank you for your grace and your faithfulness through Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in you today. I'm trusting what you did for me on the cross. I'm trusting that you rose again. And I'm putting my confidence in you. No longer in myself, but in you. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. In your name I pray. Amen.